For many of us, sports competition is a win. We cheer, we shout, but for what really? 1 Corinthians tells us they do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. The truth is, you're God's elite athlete, designed for something bigger than Monday Night Football. So get ready for a different game. Are you ready? It's time. It's game day. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Happy halftime. <laughs> Everybody's like, what do you say to that? I uh, just want to welcome you. My name is Pastor Derek. I want to welcome you to uh, game day where we all get to dress up and be relaxed and uh, support our favorite team. So uh, hopefully you guys are having fun today. Um, I want to uh, get right into our series this morning. You can follow on version, or you can also follow us uh, in your worship guide. Hopefully you got one. If you did not, uh, we want to get you one of those right away. But uh, you guys ready to get going? You guys good? Everybody good out there? Okay, all right, just making sure. Kind of quiet bunch here. Um, I want to give you a couple of quick announcements, a couple of quick plugs. Um, first, um, I'd like to keep people kind of informed of what's going on, what's coming up. Um, next Sunday, we have our Mission Sunday. So next Sunday, we dedicate a whole service to kind of telling you and showing you where uh, a lot of the, the monies uh, are invested in, with our strategic partners, our mission partners, uh, locally, domestically, and internationally. So we want to just kind of show you where and what has happened with the, the tithes and offerings from, from you guys. So uh, it's, it's um, in a weird way, this is not the best wording, but I kind of have a responsibility to uh, steward the finances in such a way where we broker them strategically to get you the highest return possible eternally. In other words, if you were investing money and you receive money from somebody else, you would want to know what is going to be the ROI on this. What is the return on my investment? And God does that with us, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. But, he, but we do that with the tithes and offerings. And so a lot of times uh, churches uh, don't um, participate in uh, giving money they just take money. So we tithe as a church. So what we ask you to do individually, we actually do as a church. In fact, we give more than that. Over 10% of our budget goes to uh, missions and outreach. Uh, I think it's going to probably come in around 13% this year. Of, so of the total budget of everything that takes place here at Connect, there will be approximately 13% of that that is given away strategically, not scattered and thrown and random and all that kind of stuff. So we have mission partners that are able to show you and me, and I'll show you next week, what they did with that money and what was the impact. And one day, you're going to be in heaven, those of you who have been able to participate in the vision of Connect and, and be a financial contributor, you're going to get to heaven, and some guy or some girl is going to come up to you, and they're going to high-five you, or they're going to shake your hand, or they're going to, they're going to come over to you and just start crying, say, because of you, I received the gospel of Jesus Christ in another part of the world. Because of you, I went to a church that didn't exist at one time. And I walked in, and I encountered God, and I fell in love with Jesus. And they're going to shake your hand, and some person's going to come up and jump you, and like a koala bear in a koala tree, deck you, because they're so thankful. And because they're going to know in heaven that there was a connection between what you did and eternity. So you are storing up treasures in heaven when you give your treasures here on earth. And so I want to show you some of the eternal impact uh, of what is to come by kind of relaying to you what they're doing with those, with those dollars. Uh, but I also want to show you what happens here on earth. And so a lot of the partners we have, for example, will be able to communicate that very succinctly to you. So I'm really excited to present that to you next week, so don't miss next Sunday. The following Sunday, 
I'm even more excited because we're going to the Christmas holidays. Anybody excited about the holidays coming up? I don't know. Yeah. You know, I know Thanksgiving hasn't even happened yet, and PD's talking about Christmas because, you know, we get gifts. I mean, come on. Um, so, uh, but we're going to kick off a series called Hope. Uh, and it's the, basically the motto is your story for God's glory. And I, I'll basically, during the, the holidays, people don't necessarily have more problems. You just feel them more. And in fact, suicide is that is amps up, uh, you know, almost 100% during the holidays. You see people feeling pressure, financial pressure. You see people with relational problems because you're going to have to see them on the holidays. You know what I'm saying? In, in-laws, you know, not in-loves, you know what I'm saying? Outlaws, whatever you want to call them. You know, you gotta, you're going to have to connect with those people and it creates stress. And so um, I want to be able to present something to you that will bring hope into those situations and make hope tangible, not just something we, you know, hope is like pie in the sky. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack it in, a, in some of the teaching and instruction I give you. But even more than that, I'm going to show you there are people around you right now in this room and in the previous service where God has done something amazing in their life where they're not being overcome by their circumstances, but they are overcoming in the middle of them or have come out of them. So some people are in trial currently and God has given them hope and some people are out of it and they're going to give you hope and some amazing testimonies. We've been uh, recording them for a couple of weeks now and begin the editing process. Uh, week one, you do not want to miss. Uh, that one is done and um, just blown away at what God is going to do as we go forward. So don't miss the Hope Series. What's going to be great about it is, is giving it away. Christianity is like breathing. Everybody say breathing. breathing. Everybody take it in. Now what happens is if you just hold that, what happens is Christians just breathe it in, and they don't ever breathe it out. So they come to church, and they get filled with all this good stuff, and what happens is they come back the next week, get filled with good stuff, and the next week, get filled with, you know what, they're like balloons with helium. They just blow up and blow away, and they get weird, weird Christians. All right, you can exhale now if you haven't already. But Christianity is meant to take it in and give it away. It's, it is a relationship of inhale and exhale. And so I want to encourage you that what will make the next series really profound and impactful is if you give it away. Invite, invest, and invite your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors. I'm telling you, you're going to be so mad if you didn't bring, if you didn't ask somebody during this next series. And I don't want you to be mad. I want you to be happy, 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 happy. Amen? So that's what's coming up. So game day, let me tell you about this uh, series quickly. We, we've been doing, this is the fourth week, fourth installment of the series. Uh, today we're going to talk about eternity. Week one we talked about generosity. Week two we talked about attitude. Some of us were sporting a toot that day. Uh, last week we talked about ministry, and then today we're talking about eternity. So every letter kind of related to one of the messages. Um, but it's also related to a vision of our church. So if you're new, and you, this is not necessarily your spiritual family, formerly your spiritual family, uh, you're just kind of like, uh, you know, you're on the fringe, just checking it out, cool, just just know that this, this is not, some of the parts of what I'm going to talk about don't relate to you. You don't, don't feel any sense of uh, obligation or responsibility or anything like that. If you're a frequent flyer, God may be pulling you in a little bit more through this series to get involved. But the whole idea has been get out of the stands, stop, you know, kind of sitting on the sidelines, get in the game. Get on the field of faith. The only way to make a difference is to kind of is to get involved. And one of the things that we did a year ago is we it was we really talked to the church, and I did, and kind of cast vision for not only making some changes here at home, but actually getting ready to to replicate or multiply our church in another location. And so we just finished the first half of kind of that campaign. 
uh, and we made a lot of changes here at home base to be able to fulfill our potential here, and now we're preparing to go forward. So this is kind of halftime. We've looked back, and we look back at what all that he has, all that he has done, some of the fruit of our labors. You know, we, we really talked about some of the physical changes and why we made those changes. I was just explaining it to a guy in the comment a few minutes ago. He was just saying, this is really nice. I love your setup. You know, what's it all about? And I said, well, we're connect, but we didn't have the opportunity to connect. We were having meetings but we weren't having opportunity for meaningful relationships in the same building. We were having meetings. We needed opportunity in social space and environments where people could actually connect. And I even told him, I said, most of the ministry actually happens between services, not even sometimes during services. And so we were making that possible by what we did in the last year. I went over our finances and just kind of unpacked what happened in the last year in our finances. Many of you gave sacrificially and are continuing to give. We're on a two-year pledge uh, and we're getting ready to go into the second year. Some of, many of you will renew that pledge today. You just kind of uh, just prayerfully continue to go forward and keep your commitment. That's part of what's going to happen today in the service. Some of you may come on board for the first time. Some of you may feel uh, compelled just to pray about it and get involved a little bit later. But we've been presenting this for the last few weeks, this whole thing. And we're getting ready to kind of take it to the next level. Everybody say HNL. Ho, oh, never. So we're getting ready to kind of take it beyond the four walls of Connect. And I'm really excited about it. I think that this next year, if we did what we did last year, can you imagine what we could do in this next year? Can you just imagine with me? I mean, can we just dream just a little bit? So at the end of the message today, I'm going to talk about the church that I see, and I want to pray that you could see the same church, and we can do what God wants us to do. Amen? So that's what's going on. So this is a little bit of a celebration. That's why we're all hyped up and dressed up and cheerleaders in the parking lot and referees out there screaming at you, blowing whistles and stuff like that. So, but, you know, when I think about our church, it still blows me away what has happened um, over the years. Um, I can remember when my dad started uh, our church many, many years ago, uh, the first service, the first official service had 19 people in it, including kids. I think we counted you know, kids in the oven too, you know what I'm saying? Like, if there was a pregnant mom, we're like, 18 and a half, no, we'll make that one. We're going to round up because she's going to have that baby anytime now. Uh, it was, it was, everything was by faith. Everything you see, it wasn't, you know, funded by some archdiocese. It wasn't because some, you know, outside organization made this possible. We weren't a part of a big, this was all by faith. All by faith, all by people who, who bought into a vision and got out of the stands and got into the game. And that's how this has all happened. And as we go forward, that's the only way it's going to happen as we go forward. And I just believe that our mandate is greater than what we even see today. And I hope that you guys see that as well. But it amazes me to see how many, actually thousands of people we've reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ through our churches, uh, through daycares, through school, through missions. It just astounds me. And, and it all happened because people believed in the vision and acted on it. Everything is accomplished by people who, who uh, were sacrificial or sacrificial. And as we begin today, though, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to just think about, like, the holidays for a second. I know when we think about, I know Christmas is coming, Thanksgiving's first, and I can't wait to eat because I love to eat, but I, it's, it's, it's a day where I repent later. Uh, but, I, but, but, but when I think about Christmas, I, we all think about giving. Um, we all, some of us think about getting gifts, but some of us, you know, at the end of the day, we like getting gifts. Come on, everybody admit it. Who likes getting gifts? You know what I'm saying? We're all like peeking under the tree, just like how many with our name on it? And I don't see one yet, and we're all upset and crying and praying to God about it. But, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, what, what motivates us, at least what should motivate us as a value, is it's all about Jesus at the end of the day. That's what Christmas should be about. Jesus came to earth 
to show us the way, you know, and uh, he, he came as a child in innocence, not to scare us, but to save us. I wouldn't have come like Jesus. I would have come at like halftime of the Super Bowl, you know what I'm saying, with a heavy metal band and, and just scared people with lightning bolts and stuff like that. But Jesus came because he wanted to connect with us. He, he was just very personal and very relational. And, 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 and because of Jesus' love for us, you know, so Jesus, you know, first he paved the way by living a certain life. Then he paid the way by paying for our sins, past, present, and future. Then he got out of the way so the Holy Spirit could come. John 14 through 16, he said, I must go so the Holy Spirit will come. So Jesus basically did everything he could to make this right, and then he got out of the way so the Holy Spirit could help us with this part. That's, that's kind of what happened. But the motivation, um, am I that bad? Uh, but the motivation, <laughs> shut him off. We don't have a hook. Uh, <laughs> He's so loud, the mic doesn't, anyway. Um, but the motivation for um, all that we do is Christ's love. We love because he first loved us. We give because he first gave. For God's love the world, he gave. Why do we give? Because he gave. I think we're born selfish, but we're born again to be generous, right? So that's the motivation. That's, but it, it's funny how it shows up, but it doesn't always show up all the time. Sometimes it only shows up during season. So at Christmas time, we'll drive 59 bajillion times down this little artery known as Route 9, squeezed by thousands and thousands of people to get to this big mall, and we'll just go over and over and over again, motivated by giving somebody something, right? Why do we go through that? Because we want to give somebody a gift, because underneath that is we know what's more blessed to give than to receive, so we keep doing that over and over again, but sometimes we're only doing it in a season, but God wants us to do that as a lifestyle, it's actually a part of his big plan is to be a giver. Your life is a gift. Life is, a, is about giving. The act of giving is what drives us to drive to the mall, but the act of giving is what's designed to drive us through life. Is anybody out there tracking with me? Gift giving shouldn't just be around Christmas time. Our life shouldn't just be about how long we live. Let's make sure we live as happy as... No, it's not about donate, duration, it's about donation. Contribution, not consumption. And you might be thinking, somebody might be listening online, I don't have anything to give. We all have something to give. That would be misinformation. It would be, um, it would be incorrect to say I don't have anything to give. You all have something to give. We all, we have this day to give. The time that you've been given is a gift. The breath that you're taking in right now, the, the air that, you know, we're not created to just suck air, take up space, abuse God's grace, as I always say. There's, you're supposed to give things away, not just consume and, and presume that this is all we have. You, have. you have time that you've been given. You can talk to people. You can touch people. You can care for people. You can show people the way. You can pay for things. You can, you can, you can uh, serve people. That's all in just this day that you could give. We all possess something we can give away. All of life is about that. And, and if I was to put this whole idea, even this whole message in one sentence, it would be this. Here's your big idea in your notes. Look at this. The value of our life is determined not by what we can achieve or accumulate, not by what we can achieve or accumulate, but by how much of your life you can give away. The value of your life is determined by, not by what we can achieve or accumulate, but by how much of your life you can give away. And the challenge of our life is to, is to figure out how to take this life that we have and all that it entails and leverage it for something greater than ourselves. That's the challenge. But it's also the reward. It's also the reward. Is everybody out there? 
You can talk back at me once in a while. It's good to talk back at me once in a while. It's not talking back, but it's like interacting with me. Here's a couple of things that I know if you guys catch this big idea, and this big idea is huge. You'll discover when you apply this to your life is that you'll discover that if you believe this, that life is more fulfilling. Like, you're going you're gonna to feel differently. If something happens inside of you when you actually realize what you were created for. You were created by him, for him, to bring honor to him. You were created to give. You are created to be a giver. You, you also will come to realize, and this is a big point, you also realize that God likes it when you live like that. He loves it when people live like that. Uh, we were at, uh, my wife and I were at... Um, Cheesecake Factory. I love Cheesecake Factory uh, a lot. Uh, did I mention I love Cheesecake Factory a lot? Uh, but anyway, we were there, and we had a great waiter, and uh, he, he came over and started talking to me. My wife was laughing because he's like, hey, hey, you know, guy just right away goes, hey, you work out? I'm like, yeah. You know, I puffed my chest up right away like that. I, I wanted to do like a peck pop, like, yeah, you know. And uh, <laughs> back at you, bro. <laughs> Um, but we started talking stuff within like five seconds. We were like brothers, you know, we're talking like protein and pre-workout drinks and supplements and stuff like that. It was hysterical. But I really liked this guy. We hit it off pretty well. And so at the end, you know, I just, I was just motivated. I wanted to bless him. What can I do? You know? And so I got right in my wallet, pulled out a pay it forward card, put that thing down on the table. And I, you know, I tripled his tip, you know, and just walked away, you know? And, and I just think that that's how life's supposed to be, is like thinking about how can we be a blessing? We're blessed to be a blessing, Genesis chapter 12. We are alive to be givers and just connect with people and help people connect with God. Are you there? God likes it. I felt great about it. When I'm getting in the car, I enjoyed my meal. It was really good, and I like Cheesecake Factory. Did I mention that? But what was even better was the feeling of knowing I blessed my waiter. That was a better feeling. So let me explain. Uh, the, uh, just If I was to kind of make life simple for you, if you're coming in, you're in, you're in different, we're all in a spiritual journey, whether we realize it or not. Here's how it is the first half of your journey. We're in halftime today. Here's the first half for some people's journey. Our life before the cross, basically our life before we, we meet Jesus, the goal of life before you found and know Christ, is to find Christ. That's, that's, that's the goal of life. That's what, that's what Jesus went out of his way to do, and he wants us to help people make that connection. That's what the church is created for, to help people make that connection. But the goal of life before you find Christ is to find Christ. After you find, find Christ, the second half of that relationship, uh, once you cross that line of faith, all of us become about this single idea that I presented to you already of leveraging my life for other people. That's what life's all about. If you don't know Christ, it's about finding Christ. Once you find Christ, it's about giving him away to other people, giving your life away to other people. That's the only way the world would be changed, and Jesus knew that, and so he was going out of his way. And, and so he wants to use, believe it or not, your mistakes, your failures. Well, he can't use me. My life's a mess. No, he wants to make your mess a message. He wants to turn all your trials, all your tribulations, all your, your difficulties, all your mistakes, and he wants, he wants to use that so you can connect with somebody that nobody else can connect with. The power of identification. Jesus identified in all points just as we are, yet without sin, he never crossed the line. It's awesome. It's what Hebrews tells us. But you have certain places where you cross the line the wrong way, and then when you cross it the right way, you have that same message. 
where you say, you know what? That's not, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Let me tell you how I got out of this. Jesus changed my life. I used to be just like that too, and I struggled in this way, and I had this problem just like you do. And, I, and so that's what I'm supposed to give away for other people. That's what I'm supposed to tell other people. He wants to redeem your mistakes. He wants to redeem your mishaps and your failures. And he wants you to say to someone else, let me tell you how God got me through it. And that's what happened to me. I used to think um, I stayed out of ministry and being the kind of Christian God called me to be because I didn't think I measured up. You know what? None of us measure up, and you never will. I looked at, I followed a person for many, many years who was a Jew who lived a better Christian life as far as I was concerned as a Jew than I did as a Christian. But he didn't have Jesus. And so I was following the wrong thing. I was following works instead of the one who had done, who, the finished work of Jesus Christ. And until I made that shift, I didn't realize what life was all about. And I didn't get it right in the first place. But if you give yourself away once you meet your Savior, give your voice away. In, me, in my case, that's what I realized. You know, God wanted to use this thing right up here. I can remember when my dad asked me, I want you to, I want you to lead praise and worship. Prior to that, I had sang one time ever because my sister begged me to sing at her wedding. And, I, and, and then, but then God began, I said, okay, I said, yes, I said, yes. One of the best decisions I ever made in my life was to say yes to God, in spite of what was required of me. And, and God redeemed that. I was just, just singing the shower, Luther Vandross. You know what I mean? I won't do it, don't worry. But I mean, so amazing. I used to sing so amazing, you know. So amazing to be loved. I follow you to the Whatever, moon and the sky above, oh, oh, oh. Anyway, I could do it all day. But I used to sing it in my shower. But then my sister said, can you sing that at my wedding? And then God said, I'm going to take that. And I'm going to say, hey, you're going to use that gift for God. And then one day, somebody asked me to sing it, you know, in a, in a bigger setting. And I think God's going to say, see that right there, son? a boy, way to go. That's what, I, fist bump, D. That may not be in your doctrine, but I think God, when I get to heaven, is going to go, fist bump. Remember when you sang at the front of the Boston Marathon, and you were scared to death because there was thousands and thousands of people there, and they didn't know Jesus, but you said yes, and you're going to sing some Christian songs right there at the Elite Runner's Shop. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I was, my heart was pounding my heart. But you did it. Yep, I did it. High five. Come here. Turn around. Right on my butt. Way to go. Fist bump. He's redeemed what I did in the shower, what I did to kind of get girls to like me on the phone playing my guitar. That's how I got Stacy. <laughs> Tell her. That's how I got her. It's so true. So you have gifts. You have ideas. You have thoughts. You have, um, you have skills. You have girls. You have cooking abilities. Remember your pastor. Thanksgiving, by the way. You know I like pie. But just you have these gifts. Use them for God's glory. You, you, have a, you say, I don't have any gifts. You have a house. We, my wife and I basically have a vision. My house, mi casa, su casa. We, our house is God's house. Every single day when we pray and we, we go through our meals, you know, we, we say our prayers over our meals, and, you know, we sometimes say things over and over again. You know how you go those same prayers, you know what I mean? And then at the end of them, we just say, you know, uh, Joshua 24, 15, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're basically saying, this is your house. We give our house to you to do ministry. So when the kids want to have something, don't ask today, kids, just because I'm saying this. But when the kids want to do something at the house, we say yes. You know, we open up our house. I'm just kidding. You can have people over. Just not too many. Um, but you, can, you all have something to give away. You have your car where you can drive people to church. 
Your time where you can just spend some time with somebody and talk with somebody and visit somebody. It could be an elderly person, your resources, your education. You might be able to teach somebody a foreign language. You might be able to teach somebody English. You might be able to... Everybody has something they can give. You all possess gifts. And it's all for a greater purpose than what you sometimes see or can imagine. And here's why that's so important is because this is how God sees it. This is how he sees life. What I'm describing to you is how God sees life. Everything's about getting to know my son. Then once you know my son, everything's about giving away your life for other people in order to change the world. That's what it's all about. And one day, and I said this last week, more as a commercial, and, I, and, and this last week I was cha- changed the message that I was going to do uh, because God was like, I don't think they really get it. And I, and I want to emphasize, you're, what I'm about to tell you, don't just listen to it and be like, That's, that was nice. That was a nice message. I'm, I'm preparing you for something. I'm paving the way for you, for you on something. Because we're all going to stand before God one day. And we're going to stand before God, and we're all going to have a, we're all gonna have a test. It's going to be a two-question test. Two-question test. And I want you to be ready for that test. And how, I don't know about you, but sometimes we have tests and we, we don't, we're not clear on what the question is. And sometimes we don't do so well on tests when we're not clear on the question. Other times we have the questions, but we don't know the answers. I'm going to give you the question, and I'm going to give you answers so that you can pass the test. How many like tests like that? I didn't do well in school, you know, until they did give me tests like that. You know what I mean? And I can remember coming into class, and they say, we're going to have a test. And I would always say, what test? <laughs> you know, that's not a good answer when you're getting ready to have a test. And so I want you to have an answer for that because one day there's going to be this two-question test and one day we're all going to stand before God. And the last I checked, there's a 100% chance that we're all going to die. That's the 100% chance of that that's, that's kind of the way the death rate is still there, 100%. We're all going to be there and when we get there, this is kind of what it's all going to be about. And I'm talking about this because as as pastors, leaders, a lot of times we spend our time preparing you to deal with this life, deal with the problems and the situations in this life. And you know what? We hold on to this life so tight, but it's just a small piece of life. It's, it's, I said last, Sunday, uh, last, last service, if I ro- rolled a big garden hose down this aisle and I took a buck knife and I just cut a scratch in that garden hose, that's this life. It's a scratch against the backdrop of eternity trying to get you a picture of this life contrasted with eternity. And we hold on to it so tightly, but we're supposed to wear this life like a, like a loose garment. Just let it go. Why are you so uptight about so many things? You're not seeing the big picture. You're not understanding that that scratch is a platform for rewards, for connection with God and rewards with God forever. And he wants us to maximize that. And my role is to help you face eternity my role is to prepare you for that. But a lot of times we only deal with one question, and I'm going to give you two. Because we are spiritual beings having a human experience. A lot of times we think we're human beings connecting to spiritual stuff. But we're actually spiritual beings. In other words, we will live forever. We will be somewhere forever. We have to choose. We have to choose. It's a test. Here's the first question. What do you do What did you do? I think God's going to ask us this. What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with Jesus? What did you do with my son? My son came to earth, as I said earlier, to pave the way, pay the way, get out of the way. He was a ransom for us. He paid for our sins, past, present, and future. He was connecting and reconciling the world back to my, my father. That's what Jesus did. The world 
and God were separated. Jesus made that connection. Jesus is about heaven, really, and hell. He's about eternity with God forever. But here's a wrong response, and many people have this response, and nobody's ever told them this, but a wrong response, though it might be good, is if we said in answer to that question, my response, God, is this. I went to a, a building every single week, and I sang about your son. That would be a wrong response. A good thing to do, but that would be a wrong response. Or it's, uh, I sang, you know, songs about your son, yeah, and all that kind of stuff. And I did some, you know, I, 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 had, a, I had a Bible on my coffee table. It's right over there, right on my coffee table. You know, and occasionally we opened it, you know, on holidays and things like that. And, and I gave money. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I served. I even used my gifts to serve. And, but those things, again, would be Wrong answers, but good things to do. I helped a lot of people. This is what a lot of people think. I helped write choices and point them the way, and, and, I, and I guided them, and I tried to be a role model to them. And, and, and again, very few people realize that that would be the wrong answer. The right answer has nothing to do with what you or I can do. It has everything to do with what has already been done. Jesus' finished work is what enables us to have a relationship forever, eternally, with God in heavenly realms. It's everything to do with what he did. The right, relationship, the right relationship is what it's all about. And so the right answer would be something like, uh, in response to this question, God, I just want, I, I, I'm happy to say, I met your son. I met him. I didn't know him one time, but I, I, I came to know him. I received him by faith, grace through faith. I, I saw this thing in the Bible, but it wasn't just a head thing. I had to actually believe it, in my heart, that Jesus Christ was the one who paid away for me to be in relationship with you. And I met him. And I love him. I love him because I don't deserve to have a relationship with God. Once I became aware of what he did for me, and what he did for me on Calvary 2,000 years ago, that he paid for my sins, not just my past sins, my present, but even my future sins. The fact that I can even stand before you is because of his righteousness, not my righteousness. I met him. He did that for me, and I'm, I'm in love with him. And I want to give that away to other people, that same grace. And I know him. I believe he knows me. And I'm not ashamed of him. That's the right answer. Is anybody getting what I'm saying out there? The most important message of the church, you can write this in your notes, is that Jesus came to be in relationship with you. The most important message of the church of Jesus Christ, our church, is that you come in a relationship with God. Every single month, the first Sunday of the month, we have a spiritual family class, C101. And I started out right out of the gate just saying, before you join church, our church, any church, we want to make sure you have a relationship with Jesus. You join in relationship with Jesus. And I tell them basically what I just told you just now. That is the most important. That's why we exist to make God known, not just to know him, but to make him known. And, and, and why is that important? Because, you know, I, we can go through motions. I've been raised in the church a long, long time. I'm a second-generation preacher. From a, my father's a converted atheist. But he had his radical conversion because he was an atheist, and then he got saved. But then I got raised in Christianity. I got raised in the church. And let me tell you something. I did a lot of church, a lot more church than many of you in this room. I can do church. I can do the up-down turnarounds. I can do, you know, from the pavement to the pew, all of you. I can do church. I know the, I can quote scriptures. I know the promises of God. I know the songs. You can start singing a song. I can start singing a song. I can probably play the song. I can do church. So I can put up a front if I wanted to, if I needed to. I had to come to a place where I encountered God for myself, and so do you, every one of you. 
need to have that encounter for yourself. I didn't know God at one time in my life, even though I was raised around people who knew God. I knew about him, but I didn't know him. I remember as a teenager coming to a place where, you know, I could feel I was struggling with a bunch of stuff, identity, fear of man, all these different things that were going on inside of me. And, and, and I was thankful that I had godliness around me. I had a form of it, but I was like the Bible says, denying its power. I hadn't experienced its power, but I had it around me. Enough so that I could, I knew enough to where to look. And so I can remember reading this particular scripture, and this next scripture was instrumental in me coming to Christ. Look at this with me in your notes. Matthew 7, 21, it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That was a problem for me, because every Sunday I was like, Lord, Lord. And then on Monday it was like serving something else and loving something else. And, 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 and I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. But only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. What's your will then? He's going to say it in just a second. Many are going to say on that day. Everybody say on that day. That's the judgment day. That's the day I'm talking to you about where I'll stand before God. That, that, that's what he's talking Many are going to say on that day, Lord, Lord. Now look, in this next part of the scripture, he, he unpacks like three big things. Really, Jesus gives three examples to be extreme with us so that he can point out these things, as good as they are, as spiritual as they are, they're not going to save you. They're not what your security is based on. I'm going to give you some super spiritual stuff, and you're going to think it's about that, but I'm going to tell you it's not about that. He didn't throw in things like, you know, uh, I, I sang, and I did a lot of church attendance, and I prayed. No, this is what he said. He said, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Whoa. Mufasa, Mufasa. Did we not drive out demons in your name and perform miracles? So he's basically saying, if you think doing those things is going is to get you in, you're wrong. Then he told them plainly. This is what hit me as a teenager. I never knew you. See, I spent my, my life prior to that trying to, you know, do that while hanging on to this over here. One foot in the world, one foot in the things of God. I was doing it all wrong. I was focused on works, and I could never do the works. And then, you know, you lose in that scenario. And that day, I bowed my knee to Christ. I surrendered my life to Christ. And I basically told God, I don't want religion. I want you. I want relationship with you. See, some people think, because I'm a pastor, I'm religious. I'm not religious. I actually am offended by that, in a way. I'm, I just have a relationship with God. I just love Jesus. I just love Jesus. And I look back today, you know, I love him more than I did then. Because as you get to know somebody more, you fall more in love with that person because there's so much to know about that person. The same is true in my marriage with my wife. Next week, we'll celebrate 23 years married. And I'm in love with her more than I was 23 years ago. It's been... 15 wonderful years. <laughs> so that day changed my life. That's what salvation is all about, the first question. If you don't get the first question right, you're never going to hear the second question. Because the first question is known as the great, in the Bible, it's just, I'm, I'm simplifying things, but it's known as the great white throne judgment. The second judgment is known as the judgment seat of Christ. In essence, there's like two lines. You won't get to the second line to hear the second question if you don't go through the first question, and it's established and based on your relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that books will be opened, names are written in there, and if your name's not in there because of your faith in Jesus Christ, it's simple. You won't get the second question. The second question, again, is about rewards. 
It's about rewards. It's a reward judgment. Robert Morris says this, that our beliefs determine where we spend eternity. Our behavior determines how we spend eternity. So here's the second question. What did you do with what I gave you? What did you do with what I gave you? I want to read you some scriptures so you can see how emphatic this is. And there are many more that I could give you today, but just quickly. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this. Are you guys getting something out of this? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Here's that second judgment. I'm trying to prepare you for the test, giving you the questions and the answers. So that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. There's going to be an award ceremony. This isn't going to be like... This is going to be like an award ceremony where if you get fourth place, everybody boos you. This, this is going to be like the Olympics. When you get a bronze, anybody that gets a bronze, you're like, good job, good job. You got a bronze. We, we, everybody will be happy. It's heaven, for crying out loud. This is the second line. This is the award ceremony. I'm trying to get you guys to see the environment. And people are going to be excited. People are going to be getting awards. It's going to be, it's heaven, okay? There's no more, you know, traffic. Come on, somebody. There's no more insurance. There's no more crying, sighing, cancer. Chick-fil-A's open on Sundays. <laughs> Hello? Come on. It's heaven, okay? It's an exciting time. We're all, nobody's booing. Boo. Heaven is wonderful. I remember when I was a young man and, and my, my dad and mom sent me to a, a basketball camp. My dad wanted to help me work on my skills. He wanted to help me be a better player. Well, I went to be a better player. In other words, it was a co-ed camp. You guys can fill in the blanks there. You know what I'm saying? So I went to be a better player. So I saw, so I see all these nice girls, and, and, you know, I'm just chasing around girls because it's like freedom, you know, a whole week, you know. And I can remember going through, and I'm supposed to get, become a better basketball player, better basketball. Work on your left hand. Get your weak side. Get ready for the season. You know, at the end of the week, there's this, there's this meeting in the gym. We all get to the gym. I remember walking in the gym. Hundreds of kids all up in the stands. Then down in the court, there's these tables that went all the way across the basketball court. And there were trophies from this high, you know, like from this high all the way to almost as tall as me, all the way across the table, all the way across the gym. And I walk in, and I get in the stands. I'm like, what's going on? This is fun, you know? Sit next to a couple of ch- girls. Hey, what's up? What's up? What's up? You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, that girl gets up. She gets most improved, and most valuable, blah, 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 blah. and, you know, best left-handed layup. Blah, blah. They all start popping out of the crowd. I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? I, nobody told me we get awards for how we lived this last week in our camp, how we performed, how hard we worked, our conduct, our character, our work ethic. Nobody, I'm telling you what's coming. Are you guys tracking with me out there? You're, there's going to be an awards ceremony, and some of you are going to be sitting in the crowd, and some of you are going to be coming out. And I want you all to be able to come out. Romans 14.10 says, You then, why do you judge your brother or sister, or why do you treat them with contempt? For we'll all stand before God's judgment seat. There it is again. So then each of us will give, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Matthew 16.27, For the Son of Man is going to come in Father's glory with angels, and then he will reward each person. Everybody say reward. He'll reward each person according to what they have done. Now, we know this is not the heaven and hell judgment because that's based on what you can do what, to get there. This is, this is about awards and rewards. Revelation twenty two twelve says, look, Jesus talking, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. 
God can't wait. So you're going to be standing before him. You're going to be coming down that line, and he's going to be saying, hey, what would you do with the voice? Did you, did you use it? Did you use it? Well, uh, I was shy. I just couldn't. I could Yeah, no. I, I just sang in the shower. You know, a couple of chicks on the phone. Yeah. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You didn't use the gift, you know, for me? You didn't use the gift to, to, to draw people into the presence, my presence, so they could experience me? No, no, I didn't do that. Or you, you can say, yeah, I did, I did. And, and I gave it all to him, and, and I just, I, it became a passion of my life. And oh, and I picked up the guitar, and I learned that, and I'm fiddling with the piano now. Boom! Give me some rock, baby! High five! Turn around! Bam! Here's a crown I want to give you. I couldn't wait to give you this. He's not going to be back there with all these things and just hold them back, you know, and I really don't want to give these away. He wants to give them away. No, I like this. I'm going to keep this on my mantle. I hope, I hope you mess up the question. I can't wait to trip them up when they come up. No, 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 no. He can't wait to give. And then when we say what we should say, he's going to, here you go. And the Bible says that we'll be so in awe in the presence of God. This is where the, the band comes from. We'll cast our crowns before him. We'll give them right back to him. And he, I knew you were going to do that. I think God's going to say, I knew you were going to do that. Here's another one. Here's another one. That's what that environment will be like or not be like for you and me. God gave us a certain amount of time, and he put us in a country with certain freedoms, and he put you in a place where you could do more for others than maybe other people could do in other parts of the world. He put you in this time in human history. He put you in your family, in your situation. He put you in this location so that not only perhaps you would reach out for him, but perhaps through you, other people would reach out for him, though he is not far from any of them, according to the book of Acts. But what did you do with it, is what God's question is. Did you do something with it? Remember, all of life is not about what you can achieve or accumulate, but did you make a difference in others? Jesus talked about this so much, you guys. It's essential because he knew it's the only way the world would be changed. He knew that the good news, Jesus is good news for us, has been printed. It's in the Word. It's in your Bibles. It's, it's written like in your heart, too. But it's, it's, it's just I've said before. It's like, it's like a newspaper at the end of the driveway, Soaking in the rain, if nobody delivers that, you, the church of Jesus Christ, is the delivery system. He is the one who reconciled us back to God, but we are now the ministers of reconciliation according to 2 Corinthians 5. We're that delivery system to change the world through us. That's how the world, he's making his appeal, the Bible says, through us. If we don't give that away, it won't get that way. Jesus knew that, and he's tell, he gives us this parable in Matthew 25. I don't think it was too much scripture for your notes, but let me read this to you. It says this. Are you guys still with me out there? Yes. Again, it will be like a man, this man is God, going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag. You've heard the story. He's not indiscriminate here. He gives everybody according to his ability. A whole other story we could do about that. Sometimes we want somebody else's ability. He gave you the abilities you have. He gave you the portion you have. Have you used what you have? Then he'll multiply it. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two. But the one who had received one bag went off, listen to this, dug a hole in the ground, hid his master's money. After a long time, everybody say after a long time. That's basically at the end of your life. Liken this to you. At the end of your life, there's going to be an accounting. 
At the end of time, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts. Settling accounts, that's the judgment. There will be a judgment. Romans 14 told us that. We're all going to have to give an account of our life for what we've done in this life. The man who had received five bags, hey, he brought another five. Master, look what I've done. You've entrusted five to me. I've gained five more. Master says, good job. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many because of what you did here. Later on, you're going to get even more. Come and share your master's happiness. That happiness is the award ceremony. See, he's a rewarder of those who follow him, who diligently seek him, who do things his way. The man with two bags said the same thing. And God, the master said, good job. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many more. Come share in your master's happiness. I don't know about you, but I want that. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. I think God would say, come again? I knew that you were a hard man. Huh? What you talking about, Willis? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, I think, <laughs> I think he'd be pretty upset about that. I don't know about you. I would be. He th- I think he'd be thinking, I gave you everything. All of a sudden, his happy attitude might have changed to a little bit of righteous indignation towards this man. What'd you say? harvesting where you have not sown, God, gathering where you have not scattered seed. Now write this in your notes. I think it's in your worship guide. Nothing will determine how you live your life more than your view of God. Nothing's going to affect how you live your life from this day forward prior to this. Nothing affects the way you live your life more than your view of God. This was this man's view of God. You're a hard man. You're not a rewarder. You're not a blesser. You're not somebody who wants to to. to, to, to bestow upon us great things. No, I knew that we had a debt-debtor relationship, and I better hold this, because when you come back, I want to make sure I give you back exactly what you gave me. No, that's how he viewed him. And then he goes on, he says, so I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. Wrong answer. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, look at this, you wicked, lazy servant. My father, when I used to work in the yard, (laughs) used to be the worst thing I could hear from my father. Hey, you are lazy, son. You lazy. Anybody like to be called lazy? Mm -mm. My earthly father called me lazy. It hurt real bad. Let me tell you something. Nothing like if your heavenly father said you're lazy. You're still in. You're still my son. You're still part of this family, but you're lazy. I don't want that. I want the attaboy. I want the fist bump. I want the high fives. Thank you, son. That's my old man. <laughs> it says this, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. And then he was put out of heaven. Excuse me, not put out of heaven. He was put out. Not of heaven, actually. He's put out of the rewards with weeping and gnashing. That's not he was out of heaven, just so you know. That's a miscommunication of that scripture. But this story is critical. This story is huge. Your view of God whether you live that way or not, this is the reality. Whether you believe this or not, I'm just preparing you as your shepherd. This is going to happen. This is the real deal. We all possess gifts to give. We all, have, we, all, we all have something that we can give away, and he's counting on us. That's what halftime is really all about today. It's, out, it's about taking what God is giving us and leveraging it for the kingdom, for the purposes of God. For something bigger than ourselves. And so there's really two things that I want to do as we go forward. I'm going to have the worship team come up right now. This is what I want to do. In fact, stand to your feet, everybody. Would you please? Would you please you can put your notes away and just, just stay focused, if you could, for me, for a second. There's no more important message, no more, two more important messages that I could give you than really these two for our church. 
What's, what's up with you and Jesus? And what did you do with what I gave you? I was thinking about like, in just a couple minutes, basically, some people are gonna, are gonna leave the stands, in essence, and they're gonna come out of their seats and they're gonna make a commitment to the church of Jesus Christ, specifically connect as to what's gonna happen next in our future. We've been talking about this for like four weeks. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay, but basically we, we've been a part of a, of a direction for our church and so some people are gonna, they're gonna give. If you don't have anything to give, but you wanna pray for that vision, for the vision of your church, you feel like God's compelling you, maybe you just take that pledge card and you say, I commit to pray for the vision of my church and what my role is in it. You weren't ready, but you, you, you're charged by something in this. I don't want anybody to do something that God didn't tell them to do. So this is basically all about obedience to what God has already said. And many people have already prayed. Many people are already part of this journey, and they're just renewing that commitment, basically, by coming down and showing God and, and your church what they're committed to. But more than even that, the first question is the most important question of our church's vision. It's what's your status with you and Jesus? The second question is what are you going to do? What, what are you going to do with what I gave you? But, but I want to do something with you for a second. And if you would just close your eyes for a second, I want you to be able to see something in your mind's eye. I want you to be able to see something by the Spirit. I, just, I, was, I was praying and I was writing down some things and I started to, to weep for our church last night. And I was remembering a scripture from John chapter 4. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and he basically says, four months till harvest. But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields ready for harvest now. He says, open your eyes. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would open people's eyes for the harvest that would come through this church as this church multiplies and as it grows. Jesus, I don't know how to do it. Transfer in the name of Jesus that vision to the people that are in this room. Open their spiritual eyes to see. As we conclude today, I want to tell you as your pastor, what I see, just keep your eyes closed and just envision this with me as we go from here to there. I pray he open your eyes to see it and believe it. But this is what I see as I prayed and I cried. I see a church that is so attractive and so contagious that the buildings struggle to contain the increase. I see a church where people found a relationship with God, not religion, where living for God isn't out of obligation, but it's a heartfelt desire. I see a church where people are taking steps, you can agree with me in prayer if you want, where people are taking steps to continue their spiritual journey. I see a church where every person realizes that they were created to make a difference. I see a church where God uses ordinary people, dream teamers, small group leaders, and servant leaders and staff to, to serve this area so much that this area opens up its heart to God completely. I see a church so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations to a loving, friendly circle of hope where answers are given and life makes sense. I see a church that empowers leaders to grow and reach their full potential to do ministry here and beyond. I see a church that never stops, never, ever stops searching for the lost because God never, ever stops searching for us and for me. I see a people so kingdom-minded that they will count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see revival sweep our area and this land. I see a church that realizes that none of this is dependent on their own ability. Therefore, I see a church that is committed to prayer and dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. I see a church where Jesus is famous and the glory goes all to God. 
Martin Luther said, I've held many things in my hand and I've lost them all, but whatever I placed in God's hands, that I still possess. That is what I see. And what God says to you, what do you see, church? What do you see, Connect Community? My prayer is that you seek his face and that you ask him for a vision right now. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.10 that it, 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 his intent was that now, through the church that the manifold wisdom of God would be made known. It's through the church. We are his church. And I believe that if we get that, we all can make a difference that's beyond us, that's greater than our own, and that he wants to call people, even now in this room that weren't ready, even call them to take action. That's what the church of Jesus Christ is all about. And like in heaven, today, there are two lines. There is an opportunity for you here to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. If you've never made such a commitment, never celebrated or surrendered your life completely to God, there, there's an opportunity for you to do that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the Bible says before they gave, this is their first action, was to give themselves to God. If you've never given yourself to God, don't give anything else first. Your first action is to give yourself to God. If you've never given yourself wholly and fully to God, surrender to Jesus Christ, you know that you can stand before him and say, I met Jesus. And I met Jesus at Connect Community Church on a Sunday service in November of 2014. That's the day I met Jesus. If you want to make that your statement, your declaration, would you raise your hand and say, that's me? I want to meet Jesus today. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Yes, yes, all the way at the back. Thank you, thank you. Good and high, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, thank you. Just, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, everybody. Say, Jesus, save me. I, I, I thank you that I got introduced to you today. And I want to know you personally, now and forever. I surrender my life to you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I pray you save every single person. Today their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It is sealed not because of their works, but because of Jesus' work. They've received imputed righteousness, not because of their righteousness, but His. And we thank you, God. And now there are people in this room during this next song, I'm going to ask you to, to come out of the stands. I'm going to ask you to take your pledge card. Those of you who already made a pledge in the previous year, you're just renewing your pledge. You're just saying, I'm still with it. I'm going the second year. I'm going the second mile. I'm not quitting. I'm going forward. You may be called upon to do more. You might want to bring an offering. Beyond that, that's, that is between you and God. You just do whatever God said. If you're new to the church and you, you just heard the vision over the last month, you've been praying, and you know that God wants you to be a part of that, you can make that commitment. You can do that now. If you uh, fell off the turnip truck, as I say, you know, where you made a commitment and you want to renew and adjust that commitment to something you can do and you can stick with. The Bible says that we keep our word to our own hurt and change not. And those that do these things will never be shaken, Psalm 15, 4 and following. It's so important that whatever you do, you stick with. But you're doing it to change the world. We're doing it to see what God has done here multiplied and go beyond here. Amen? 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 Abraham obeyed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And God provided for him. Jehovah Jireh will provide for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that as we sing this next worship song, as people come, that you honor their, their, their commitments to Jesus first and to the church of Jesus Christ second. Lord, thank you so much for the honor to be able to pastor them. In Jesus' name, amen. Come as you feel led. God bless you.